So this year I've been able to land a ton of major press in media that has really helped me not only with my book launch, which was the original goal, but actually drive revenue and customers and sales and awareness. And I wanted to share with you my secret weapon. Uh, her name's Stephanie Lee, and she's been my digital strategist and, and press strategist all year long. Bring her on to the channel to break down a three-part process that we've been using to land major media and press. So Stephanie runs Clout Monster. Monster.com. And she's helped me land pieces with CNBC, Fox, Business Insider, Forbes, and other major podcasts on top of those media and press that have literally driven tens of thousands of dollars of revenue, mass opt-ins to my email list, major growth on social media platforms and YouTube. And it's giving me credibility, credibility, which is so important for our digital product era where any one of us can make courses on the similar topic, but what if you could have some of those major credibility markers on your website, in your emails? And so what I wanna do is bring her onto the show today. We're gonna to talk through how this works, what kind of results are possible for you when you get major media and press, and exactly what editors are looking for so that you can begin to pitch and get major media for your brand, which ultimately will grow your business. Let's discuss. All right, Stephanie, it is so good to have you. It is awesome. We've been able to, this is fun because we get to work together um, and, and collaborate on stuff. And then now I get to like sh show you to the world, <laughs> show you to my people. So uh, thanks for thanks for jumping on this episode and, and um, hanging out with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Here I am. Woo. <laughs> Stephanie, yeah, Stephanie's awesome. She's been working with me since, this, you know, it's January, January of this year. Um, we actually loosely like knew of each other years ago um, where our paths crossed um, with Ramit Sethi and his brand. And so it's so funny, she, she reached out and we connected in December and it was perfect timing because I was about to do this book launch and she's helped people launch their books. I mean, she's done all the stuff. So it was like a great partnership there. And then we've continued to work together. Like I said in the intro, as my digital strategist and my media strategist, and we've done some really cool stuff together this year that's really helped my brand. And so we want to bring some of this content for you uh, today because I think it'll be super practical for you in an area that isn't usually talked about when it comes to solopreneurs and courses and online business. So um, I'm excited. We'll get into it. We'll get super practical. Uh, but Stephanie, kind of like you kind of are a Swiss army knife of a person. You I mean, you have the most coolest background and you know everything in this, you know all about the digital online product space, the marketing space, the media space. Um, we both love video games, <laughs> which is awesome. So maybe just like, give us give us a little bit of the story. Like how, how did you get into what you're doing now? How did you figure out the press side of things? What got you to be this sort of subject matter expert and how you've been able to help me in this capacity? Yeah, thank you for for such an introduction. <laughs> Swiss Army knife, I love it. And actually, I was like, when you said that, I was like, yeah, I was nodding along, like, yeah, kind of, pretty much, like, bust out all these tools. Um, and my start is funny because if you had asked like, you know, eleven year old Stephanie if she'd be um, sitting at home working on the computer on online stuff, she'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, so it wasn't something like I imagined. I just played video games. Like you mentioned, like I grew up playing video games 
Um, it was like one of the things that my mom wanted me to do to just keep me at home. <laughs> so I stay out of trouble. <laughs> wait, and wait, I was like, wait, that's totally mom, fine. Your mom wanted you to play video games? My mom was like one of a kind in that way where she w wanted me to play video games. <laughs> I love your it mom. Her, she sounds great. Hi, Stephanie's mom. That's a great I have right there. <laughs> so much appreciation and gratefulness for her because if not for her, I don't think I would be where I am today because all of these video games led me to become to want to write. Actually, I got my start writing strategy guides for video games in high school. Like, how crazy is that? And of course, the, in the Internet was out already. <laughs> like, you know, we had AOL. Was it Earthlink? Netscape, yeah. you know, we had we had browsers and websites to go to. So I found a site where I can just publish my work and strat and write strategy guides. And, and that experience of like figuring out how games work and coming up with strategies, I feel really set me up for a lot of the things that I do today. Like it just makes me think about how do I break this thing or try this thing uh, to win, basically. <laughs> So um, I did the same for a lot of my career where, so that strategy guide writing actually led me to writing full time at IGN.com. So that was my first taste, like getting my feet wet in like publications and media. Uh, IGN is a, I think you, you've heard of IGN, for, but for, for people who haven't heard of IGN.com, it's an entertainment website, really huge video games, movies. Like 80 at the time, 80 million monthly visitors. So huge. And I got my feet wet in media. And a lot of that experience, like from an editor's standpoint, like a busy newsroom and how these huge publications think about content um, led me to, you know, bodybuilding.com, which was another publication. And, you know, just carrying me across different industries. So I was able to see like just different ways content can be similar in in different industries but also like different so that's where i start to get more like background on just all sorts of media and content itself um and then stumbling into the online business world the, you know the world that you and i know and everyone listening to this knows uh that was kind of by accident like i left my corporate job just got a one-way ticket to tokyo <laughs> and figured out I could be a digital nomad very accidentally because I was freelancing for all these publications like Lifehacker, uh, GQ, um, and like that strategy guide mind I had back then I was mentioning, like it helped me figure out how to get published virtually anywhere. So I was published in the New York Times, um, in the paper too. And so it wasn't just, and soon it wasn't just for myself, like I figured out how to do this for other people, which kind of led me down this path of like thinking about media strategy in a way that I don't think a lot of people think similarly about. Maybe there's some overlap, but I, I, a lot of it definitely comes from just that video game strategy guide background of poking at things until they break. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, that's, that's I, where we crossed paths was with uh, Ramit Sethi, where that's all, also a lot of um, I will teach you to be a rich guy, just for people who have never heard of him. Um, that's where a lot of my experience with online business, like just all aspects of it, marketing, product, um, multi-million dollar products and 
carrying all of that, you know, into one compact Swiss army knife, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's that, that brand I know was huge for you because you were involved in, uh, not just, you know, writing emails or copy, you were helping to create, you know, catchphrases and, and mm. concepts and, and, and distill, you know, his philosophies into like, this is the way to position them to launching a New York times bestselling book to, uh, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff, literally creating courses. I mean, it's, you, you kind of had your hands in a lot of things. Was that, I'm, I'm just curious, we don't have to spend a lot of time there, but was that on purpose or was it like, Hey man, Stephanie's writing ability or the way she thinks strategically, did you get bring brought into more stuff? What did that look like? Yeah. It was, a it was a little bit of both. So I was hired as a staff writer and, you know, as a writer, and especially when you think about getting published in the media, you have to think about a very specific angle and messaging because there's so many ways to spin and tell a story. And it's just about finding that right messaging, that right angle and all of that practice. Like Ramit saw that and was like, hey, do you want to help me with the press strategy for this book? Cause he was releasing the second edition of his 20, uh, of his book in 2019. And so, and I was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's a perfect marriage of my background. So I helped lead the press efforts uh, that helped launch his book to New York times bestseller and get him all sorts of press and in the traditional media and, and uh, podcasts. And somehow that also segued into like, hey, you know, you're, you're writing and all of this positioning is really what it is, like these angles, right? All of this positioning and this mind for content, I think it's a good fit with product too. And so, you know, that it's kind of, it's, you know, when you're working for a small business and small company, you start to wear a lot of different hats and a lot of skills overlap. And so it happened that medium products were my strength um, and he really helped unlock that and like tap into my full potential. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember I was, I was, I told Stephanie, um, when you first reached out, I had Stephanie runs clout monster right now. Uh, and it's awesome, but you, you had been doing some of this content years ago and you had an email list where you were teaching some of these media strategies and yeah. I must've followed you because Ramit, you know, you were in, in that world and you had your own business as well. And so I remember subscribing to your email list and getting some of those initial emails that were like super helpful. And I just had them saved in my inbox, like and marked unread. And <laughs> if you go to my personal email inbox right now, go all the way to the bottom, like there's two or three emails from Stephanie Lee from like, I don't know, 2016, 17, somewhere, or maybe earlier. Uh, and like when you reached out in December, I told you, I was like, are you that Stephanie Lee, the one of whose emails I've been holding on to for like five years? Oh man. And you're like, yeah, the that's ultimate me. compliment, the ultimate compliment when, when someone right? saves your emails <laughs> in their inbox, cause it's so busy <sighs> these days. So right? busy. That, that, that's gotta be a love language for online business owners. When people <laughs> keep your emails, you're like, thank you. I feel filled up to the, my, you know, my, the sixth love language, keeping someone's emails. Um, that's yeah. amazing. I, I love what I love about your story is um, the the pivotability or the evolution. Pivotability is not a word, but the evolution, right? Of like, okay, I could do this. I could do this because it's really your superpower is the angle, the positioning, like the way you think, and then you're a great writer. And then being able to being able to say, well, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. And then it's, it was brilliant of Ramit to see this, this skill set would be valuable in these other categories as well. And you stepping into that, um, 
I think is so valuable for people to understand that like, look, if you can write or if you can even think and writing is thinking, if you can even think about what, what is the positioning of my product or what makes my brand unique? Uh, even if we're all doing the same thing, there's a way to find a unique spin on it. And that skill will help you write an email that gets opened or have a sales page that people want to keep reading or make a title for a YouTube video that people want to click on. Like it's the same superpower. Totally. And it's so cool to see you implementing it in all these different areas. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for recognizing that, Graham. I, I, like it's, it's awesome for, for you to call that out for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and one of the other things I encourage too, like you, you just alluded to just like a moment ago is just kind of saying yes and not like automatically censoring like, oh, I can't do that. I you know, you can figure it out. You have like a base skill, which for me was writing, which writing kind of threads into so many other branches of knowledge and skill sets. Um, and you can like um, put the, all of that together to figure something out and like make what you're making great and valuable. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you've been doing Clout Monster stuff now, you've been working with me and, and um, you're, it's been amazing what we've been able to do this year, right? Getting on CNBC and Forbes and Business Insider and uh, Fox News, like a bunch of places. Like it's been so cool. Um, to, you know, I, I obviously have my examples. Feel free to share some examples with me. But like, what, what would you say is the power of landing traditional media and press for a course creator or a membership site owner, someone who's living on the online YouTube land? Why, why go for press? What can it do for our businesses when done right? Yeah, I'm, I think that's a great question. I think like the first assumption that most people kind of think about is like more press, more eyeballs. And that's really the crux of it. The more press you get, the more visible you are. And then the more clients, potential clients, attention you can get, right? And if you think about basic supply and demand uh, principles, you know, the more in demand and more kind of coveted and visible you are, the more your business grows because people are going to automatically uh, get attracted to you, especially if your positioning and your messaging resonates with them. So, you know, more customers, this means more customers, you get to charge more. Um, and there's just that more trust and credibility, which that last part, the credibility in our industry where there's our businesses are driven by our personalities and our ideas, like that credibility is so important. There's so many people talking about kind of the same thing. Like I'm not the only media strategist and press expert out there. It's just a matter of that credibility, the ideas I have, um, and just those people being drawn to that. But the credibility here helps, especially because I'm showing you, not just telling you that, um, first of all, I could help you get results, that I know what I'm doing. And it's all about when, when you when you get press, you're just basically showing and not telling, which I think this is, mm. is one of the principles that we have, right? We're not just trying to convince people with our words, like it's more powerful to just have these signals where they just automatically know that you're, you're trustworthy and proven. I, wanna, I love that showing, not telling. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, I want to share like a, like a real life concrete example, maybe like something that's analogous. Um, do, you, do you eat 
um, Japanese ramen. Have you been oh, to yeah. like a restaurant? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in Japan, as you can imagine, there are thousands and thousands of ramen shops, um, especially in Tokyo, where it's the, one of the highest saturated population in, in Japan itself. So there's no shortage of ramen restaurants. And I'm going to call out one ramen restaurant in particular that um, in Tokyo, it's like super small shop, nine seats total. And they open, I think, most days at 11 a.m. But by 10 a.m., there's a line around the block just to go in and try this ramen, which is insane if you think about it, because why wait like over an hour for this ramen <laughs> when you can walk around the corner and go to another ramen shop? And the answer there is that this ramen shop got a Michelin star. So mm. in the culinary world, a Michelin star is just like one of the ultimate sort of status symbols that tells people this is so good. So such achieved such a culinary feat that like other chefs and restaurateurs uh, need to pay attention. And of course, customers need to go pay attention. So getting press uh, is kind of like um, that Michelin star effect. You know, you when you especially when you get into places like CNBC, Forbes, New York Times, all of a sudden you stand out from your peers and then you can leverage this press, these opportunities to get more opportunities. And they could be book deals, speaking gigs, just could lead you anywhere. Just you evolve as a business and maybe even personally as well. That's a great example, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that ramen place is fantastic, um, but really what makes one ramen place more fantastic than another, it's probably not much of a difference at the end of the day, but we're driven by what other people have labeled as good. And it's those stamps of approval mm -hmm. that are so, you know, subconscious or subliminal. You see, and you're like, well, they must be legit in, to some degree because they got the star, right? Especially Michelin star. That's next level in the mm -hmm. restaurant world. Um, yeah. I mean, you have like these five, the equivalent too could be five-star ratings on Yelp, um, Zagat rated stickers and TripAdvisor stickers. Like those are all like subtle signals that tell customers like, Hey, other people like this, this is proven, like try this out, you know, in this sea of noise and just so many choices, you know, yeah. a lot, a lot of us kind of just look for those quick signals to tell us we should pay attention to this. Yeah. I love this because like in our space, um, you know, the, the beauty of the online business world is right. Like you want to make $150,000 a year and, and, and talk about things you care about. Like you can do that and be a nobody, like in the sense that nobody knows who you are. You can build a great mm -hmm. little business. It's actually not that hard. You know, it might take a year or two or three to get to that sweet spot of income, but like, like you can live a great life and you don't, you don't need to like strive to become ultra famous, right? To live your, your best life. Um, and so I love that about our space, but it's like, what I, why I wanted to, you know, have you on for this conversation is because I have witnessed firsthand the power of some press. I got, so I got lucky originally in 2015, I got on Business Insider. And that was only because I had a friend that I was in a mastermind with and she had just gotten profiled business insider in a section where they were doing like people doing really cool alternative work. And she was a dating coach for men. And, um, 
she told the editor, you've got to interview my friend Graham. He has a, he's making great money, has a crazy business teaching musicians. And so I just had an introduction and, and jumped on a phone call. I, and I remember I landed in LAX. I was going for some event and I got on the phone with the editor. She asked me some questions. I hung up. And then I did this event that I was there for three or four days. Um, and then I was flying back to Tampa and the art, she must've just written the article right away, the article published right away. And it, it somehow blew up because like it got caught in those news feeds. It was on Yahoo's homepage for a minute. And then when people shared it on Facebook, it like posted it on my Facebook feed and then it, it just spiraled. So by the time I landed, I turned my phone back on, my phone was blowing up. And I'm like, what happened? I didn't even, A, didn't know the article had dropped and B, I would never have expected any of my friends to have seen it. Like, bro, you're on Yahoo, you're on this, you're on that. I'm like, what is happening? I was so confused. And <laughs> it was this one darn Business Insider post that it was a really great, you know, people might call it a clickbaity title, but it was just the facts. Like at the time I was making like $75,000 a month or something as a musician, you know, and they that was just interesting to people. And it, it was it was uncomfortable for a lot of areas because then like my mother-in-law was like, you make how much? Um, and then two, <laughs> um, it was like, I was getting emails at the wazoo from people like, Hey, can you teach me how to start a business? And this was the genesis of my personal brand way back in 2015. Cause I started wow. coaching people for free, but what it did was like, it gave me a business insider thing on my website. And then it led to me being interviewed on a bajillion podcasts. I remember Andrew Warner on Mixergy, his team reached out, like come on his podcast. And he was interviewing people like Tim Ferriss. And I'm like, why am I on here? And it's like, you know, I, it, I did the whole circuit. And that was my first little taste of it. And I know that led to opportunities I wouldn't have had otherwise. And then fast forward to this year, working with you, it happened again. Only your strategy was actually like, hey, we want to go do this. What do we have to do? And I just did everything you told me to do. And we were able to, I can say significantly with these pieces, whether it was the CNBC, I've done three or four pieces with them, um, Forbes, five or six Business Insider articles, like a ton of stuff has dropped, but I would see when the big ones hit, not all of them did a huge dent, but when the big ones hit, you could see e email opt-ins, like email opt-ins quintupled the month my first CNBC article dropped. Like, 5x the number of people opting into your list. Imagine how much revenue your funnel makes right now. And imagine 5x the amount of people going through it next month. Like then that was like revenue spiked, you know, because people were like, oh, buy his course, buy his... It was like turning on the faucet and more revenue. It didn't last forever because it, you know, eventually got out of the news cycle, but there was instant revenue drivers, instant people on the list, instant people on following me on Instagram, which I don't really care about, but I made some cool connections on Instagram and got on people's podcasts and some cool opportunities there. But it's just, um, it's powerful all that to say, when you land these major media pieces, there's instant benefits. And then there's what you're talking about, which is the ongoing benefit of you've got featured once in the New York Times or once on whatever. You can always have that logo on your homepage or wherever. And it's the instant subliminal, oh, Graham must be legit because he's been in all these other places. Exactly. Wow. I, I love so much about that. Well, the first the first part I, I, I want to uh, call out is like when you said that their first taste of media uh, was kind of like 
a more, let's just say, passive approach, like someone introduced you to an editor and you got all of this, you got on Business Insider and it was syndicated and all these other big publications and your your visibility basically was skyrocketed, like friends, family, strangers, tons and tons of strangers, like learning about who you are. And that was amazing. And like, now that we are working together, like the difference here is that you're just being proactive about it. And that's, that's the thing I want to like point out is a, a lot of people tend to think that they need to build this giant, wildly successful business like you have before they can go into the media. Um, and in some ways or in many ways that definitely helps, right? Like to, to have something successful under your belt and talk about that is just amazing. But actually you don't have to be a big business mogul you know, have to, don't have to be a New York Times bestselling author to be in the media. Like you can start trying to get media now. Um, and it's just about being proactive and all of those efforts, let's just say, even if they don't immediately lead to a media hit, that's just you laying down the groundwork. You're going to get better at all these other skills, like talking to editors, knowing what your story is, um, you know, building relationships with editors so that when things do start to pick up, like you already know how to get media. So that's, that's, that's really cool. I really encourage people to think about being proactive rather than just sort of waiting for media to fall on their lap, um, which can happen. Just, you know, you can't control that. And and then you can't um, kind of like you can't also control your branding and messaging. So it's all about that mindset and being proactive about media, but also your story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for all the hits that we got so far this year, whether it's for the book or just in general, there's countless other things that didn't stick or you know, ideas where people are like, nah, no thanks. Or I just don't hear back ever. Or mm -hmm. I, I finally heard back four months later after following up and all the stuff we've done, you just, it's, it is, it's nothing really magical. It's just, you just eventually need one to hit and then you can leverage that. Well, I've been featured on so-and-so and that gives you credibility. Um, because the, for, to get more credibility, like the one media outlets like, oh, well, if, you know, CNBC did a piece or so, so you, it's, you said earlier stacking the wins and that's been your strategy for me all along, which is, it's a long road, but it's, mm -hmm. it's actually not magic. It really is relatively straightforward, which I've loved. So I would love to get it, get into that because I want people to be able to walk away from this episode saying, okay, maybe I don't have Stephanie working with me directly, but what, what are some steps we can take at any level of our business to like, how does it work? How do you get the media? And without being famous yet, like what, what would somebody need to start doing to be able to stack some wins and get at least that one or two hits that they can at very, the very least, even if it doesn't spike traffic right away, gets you that, that logo that you can credibility play the credibility play. Yeah. Yeah. The first, the first thing uh, I would say is that the media editors, journalists, they only care about one thing mainly, and, and that's a really good story. And this could be like interpreted in many ways. Like they want something that's interesting. Um, yeah, yes, they do want something that's interesting. But a lot of the times when you read media or lots of articles in the media, 
they kind of follow certain themes. Um, in a lot of ways, editors just have sort of a radar for what's going to do well in media. So once you kind of figure out what those markers are, like those sort of guidelines that editor, the way editors think about what would be a great story in the media, you can kind of start to angle your own story to be exactly that. So over the years, I've identified three major criteria for getting a story, like uh, getting a story to a tr uh, getting a stories, uh, getting an editor's attention with your story. Um, and so those, those three criteria are basically, is your story popular? If a lot of people are talking about this thing, then you can bet that editors, publications also want to be talking about that thing. Most of the time, publications don't want to miss out and feel like they're not talking about this thing that's clearly blowing up. So you can see like the same sort of headlines and stories across all different publications when it's really trending and really popular. Um, the other criteria is, is it relevant? And, uh, and this kind of is similar to whether it's popular, but relevant doesn't always mean popular. It just means that that's what's, ha that's what's being talked about right now in the news cycle, we call it. So if your story is related to something that the general public is thinking about, like for example, right now, a lot of people are thinking about inflation. A lot of people are thinking about, you know, avoiding staying healthy basically. So think about stories that are relevant to um, the public. And that's also what editors care about. So, so far we have something that's popular, relevant, and then the third marker is editors definitely want something original. They want an original story that hasn't exactly be, been written about before. Uh, and this usually means like word for word, exactly the same structure. They want something that they could feature on their publication and say that we, this is, this is totally original content. It, it was not lifted from somewhere else. Um, there are definitely some publications that will maybe uh, publish an excerpt from your book, for example. But for the most part, editors are looking for originality. So together, these three markers, popular, relevant, original, uh, an easy way to think about it is just pitch like a pro framework. <laughs> they, they each... Yes, yes. <laughs> they each, come on, um, acronyms acronym right there. So P-R-O, pro, popular, relevant, original. So think about your story in those three aspects. Um, and that's how you start to sort of predict what's a media worthy story in, uh, for editors. Uh, I actually, that's super juicy. I actually want it. to focus mostly on, on original as like the easiest way in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when people think like, oh, I don't have anything original to tell, you know, there's all of the stories have been done already. Like my idea has been done. And what I usually tell people is that it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to completely reinvent the wheel. It doesn't have to be like this new sliced bread kind of thing. Or what is that saying? 
uh, as as new as sliced bread. I, I totally butchered that. But the point is... Newer, point, newer than sliced bread, man. Newer than sliced bread. Let's make that the, one up. From I the like 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, original, original stories. And yeah. the way to, the, the easy, easy way to make a story original is to really look at your own life. Look mm. at the stories and experiences, the lessons you've learned in your own life. So uh, an example, you know, traveling the world, not exactly an original concept. People have done it. People have done it in, in, in different ways. Um, back in 2015, I became that digital nomad kind of accidentally, right? I, I, t I shared that story of just going to Tokyo and then never buying a return flight. And I just happened to hop around Asia and freelancing at the same time. And that was my accidental digital nomad discovery. And so I did like, wait, couple years of digital nomading. And at the time, this was such a novel idea, this way of traveling around the world, but also working that I decided to write about it. And at the time I was freelancing already on Lifehacker and I wrote about that story. It was called what I learned, what I wish I knew when I worked remotely around the world. And it was just my own take and experiences and lessons I learned from doing that for so long. And it was interesting. People really loved it. And the thing is, I shared that same experience, the digital nomad experience, the challenges that I faced, like always needing to find Wi-Fi and traveling really fast. And while it's novel, I, I also, I always had to worry about a routine, like these sorts of challenges. I wrote about them about five more different ways in different publications on Business Insider, uh, on Thrillist, even on the New York Times, did it on a, a business blog named Growth Lab. That's a Ramit's blog. Um, so this idea of original is really just looking inward and pulling from your own experiences, your stories, because your experiences, even though maybe the idea, the core idea is kind of similar, like traveling around the world, your experiences and the lessons you take away become very, very original and takeaways that people learn and read about. Uh, that's how they get a lot of value. I love that. I mean, that, there's a three-part framework right there. Is it popular? Is it relevant? Is it original? Um, I, what I love about this is that this is going to frustrate a lot of people because they're like, well, I just want to get featured. You know, I just like, how do I just get featured? And you're, you're basically saying, well, you have to do a little work, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, like the, think about it from the editor's perspective, their job is to get as much content on their platform as possible for their boss to drive clicks, to drive ad revenue. And so they're always looking for the next hot story and they, they don't know you. So if you're even going to find their email address, you know, and reach out to them, you have to incentivize it for them. Like if, what do they care? They don't care about you. No offense. They don't care about your business. They didn't care about me. But when I would, you know, through Stephanie's guidance, like, Hey, this is a, you know, think about your story and, and, and what lessons could be, you know, weaved in and woven in and like how an editor might think about this as a really cool title. Think about what the title might be, even if they completely change it, 
you're casting a vision on, you know, hey, this is who I am, you know, and, and this is kind of what the unique thing of my story is, but I have an idea for an article for you. It's actually three ideas and, you know, and you're giving them a choice, but if they were just to scan it and go, ooh, that could be, I could see that being a life hacker story or, you know, a business insider piece, then you're doing the job for them. And again, they don't care who you are, but they'll follow up if the story seems juicy. And that was, it was interesting for us to go through that exercise because I, I, I just needed the press. I'm, I was trying to, at the time, get the book launched. I need to get as many people talking about my book as possible so that we could hit, you know, one of the, the bestsellers list was the goal, right? And so um, that you're, you're guiding me through like, okay, well, I think you have a great story, but that's not enough. And what you've accomplished just isn't enough. You have to, and for each publication, they want a slightly different thing because they have a slightly different audience. So read some of their pieces. Here's what they're looking for. Like I've been on CNBC Make It now three or four times this year. And I can tell, like I've been like just reading their stuff over and over again. And they're all in a similar vein, the way they try to title them. There's a type of thing they're going after that their readers like. And so if I could present my story to them in that way, again, I have to do the work. But, you know, if you shot, you know, out a hundred pitches, maybe you get 20 to open the email and maybe two like your ideas and maybe you land one. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, like you read CNBC and all of the all of the articles are kind of they follow the same thread of just, you know, finding some success in whether it's a side hustle, personal finances, their business. And Editors won't care about that particular aspect. What really makes things interesting and original is just your story of how you got there. Because at the end of the day, we all connect with stories, right? Your experiences. You know, if we're if I'm reading about your story, I'm connecting with your experiences, uh, and I relate to them, and I want to hear more about what you went through and what you felt and how you overcame it. Um, just kind of being prescriptive about it like this how-to manual just isn't as compelling because that's just information and we're not going to remember information. We remember stories. So like that's the mm. other thing to think about, right? With stories are so powerful and that's why editors don't care about the topic itself. You know, they care about the story around it. They They have and there's a there's a human element to it that makes these stories much more compelling to the editor editor and more juicy for the reader to read. Um, and that's I think why it's a great, you know a great distinction. Sorry to yeah. cut you off, but like just the thought is for our audience, right? Like we're doing a lot of how to, so it it it's not really going to be how to content that's going to get you featured on these pieces. Mm -hmm. There there might be, but generally not. So how what is a story? What is your story? What might be interesting? about your story, which might take some soul searching because we usually think our story is not that interesting. Um, working with you was enlightening. You're like, wow, that's interesting about your story. And I'm like, well, really? Um, and so what what is the story that just would be juicy for the editor just to get you in front of them and to get you on the piece? Like it, it'll all flow back to your brand and your business ultimately, but it's not gonna be the same content that you blog about or the same content that's in your podcast. It's gonna be more of, you and the story and the the human side of things that they're interested in. So just wanted to point that out, that that is a good distinction, that it's not like, I just need to get one of my most popular articles for my audience and get them to do a version of it on whatever the brand is. 
Yeah, totally. And there's a place actually for just raw information, like how to blah, blah, blah on some publications. But for most of like the big top tier publications, they're looking for a story element. Like what's sort of the big, bigger story here? Um, and then they figure out like, how does that relate to people? Is Does it impact like a large number of people or does it impact a smaller number of people? There's like a lot of you know, small questions that editors think about when it comes to the story, but like at its core, it's still a human driven story and not just like, here's me presenting you information, please publish my stuff. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and I think one final thing that was interesting that I've discovered and that you really encouraged early on, you said, look, we're, we're not just gonna get you press, I'm gonna try to help you develop relationships with editors. And, and which I, I didn't really understand fully at the time, but it, it, I make sense. And in hindsight of like the, the people aspect is the important thing. Like who, if you get to know an editor and you work well and, and they benefit from your piece, um, like our connection at CNBC, like we did this one piece in April and it, it blew up and they really like me and we have a relationship and like, when can we do another piece? And, and so on and so forth. Those relationships now, you know, I can just email back and forth with them. And it's like this known commodity and maybe that's not a fit or maybe they don't like my new idea. Well, we'll come up with some other idea, but there's this, and if that person went to another publication, hey, remember when we worked together at CNBC? Like we, you kind of build this network, exactly. which is so powerful. And, and at, at first when I hired you, I was like, oh yeah, I'll get your network. You're like, no, I'm gonna help you create your own network of editors that you get to know. And I was like, well, well that, that makes sense. And so it really is a people, driven business and all you need is one to like yeah to connect with and that can be the thing you stack on from everything is mutually beneficial um when editors publish a story that you know in your case when uh, cnbc published that story and it was that editor who took charge of it and published it like that made her look really amazing to her colleagues and i'm sure she felt good about her job and what she did in her in like her ability to identify this, this story. And so, you know, it's kind of like a mutual um, benefit and it's, it becomes this awesome relationship where you, you're essentially helping each other. Yeah, I love that. This is awesome. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day. Um, yeah, guys, there's a, that's definitely a lot. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much more. I know this is just scratching the surface. Um, you said you you wanted to give the audience something that they could actually dive a little deeper on this and sort of see how this really works behind the scenes. What what do you have? Yeah, yeah. So we mentioned that media can take a while and me, there's a lot of components and moving parts to media. So um, one of the core parts, which we didn't really touch on in, in this conversation is just pitching. That's a huge thing. Uh, and I'd love to show you guys what a successful pitch looks like. And you might be surprised that it's just not me going like, hey, I want to publish this article. It's again, going back to a story uh, and how I told it. So I worked with a client to write this pitch to entrepreneur.com. Cold email, no connections, no experience, sent that off, got published in entrepreneur.com. So I want to give you guys a sneak or not like basically a exclusive behind the scenes look at this pitch. Um, I break it down and I show you exactly why I wrote it the way I did. Uh, and I'm happy to share that with you. That's super juicy. Where should we go to download that? 
Yeah, it's at cloutmonster.com slash bonus pitch. It's a hyphen bonus hyphen pitch. Awesome. And you, you also get to, uh, sign, it also signs you up for my weekly newsletter where I dive more into various media tips and insights. Yeah, Stephanie's emails are amazing. Um, I think, I feel like you come alive even more in your emails. Uh, it's so much fun. <laughs> you're, you're a writer at heart. I know I had to drag you onto a podcast to talk about this stuff. You're like, oh, I'd rather write this stuff, but you're so brilliant and it's been so cool. So I, I think, yeah, Thank get you. on her list anyway to get the, the bonus pitch. It's cloutmonster.com slash bonus hyphen pitch. I'll put it in the YouTube description. If you're watching, if you're listening, you can check that out. And then, yeah, then you're on her newsletter and she's sending you tips all the time. These are the emails that I've been saving in my inbox for, for years because they're so good. Like she gives away the farm. It's really, really helpful. And I would just encourage you all listening in. Like if media, if major media has never been on your radar, like everybody would love to be featured in all the places. I get it. But if you're like, that's probably not for me, or I don't know the slightest first thing about how to do that. That was me. You know, I stumbled into it because I had a friend that introduced me and then that was it. And then working with Stephanie, it was like overwhelming. I knew I needed it in this stage of my business, but how do I get it? It's been so refreshing to see how straightforward it is and with a little bit of guidance and how one hit that really makes a difference can make all the difference. Uh, and it's available to everybody because there's so many platforms. They all need content every day, all day. And so they're looking for people like you and you're doing cool work in your online business. There's a way to turn what you do and your story into a really juicy media piece for a major publication. So I just want to encourage you, if you've never thought about it, this is a great, she gave you the framework, the three-part framework to remember, like, is it popular? Is it relevant? Is it original? Pitch Focus like on a pro. story. Pitch like a pro, P-R-O. I love that. It's like <laughs> a good, I love acronyms. I like three-point sermons. I love it all. It's magical numbers. Um, Stephanie, this has been great. Um, everyone should check out her stuff at cloutmonster.com. Um, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me, Graham. This is awesome. And I love talking shop about this. Yeah. Like you said, we can talk about this all day, but for the sake of listeners ears and their time, <laughs> we'll cut it a little short. Yeah. Well, it's fun. Thanks for nerding out with me today. And as well, thanks for all the help you've been giving me in my business. It's been game changing for me this year. So guys, thanks yeah. for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Subscribe. If you've enjoyed this, whether you're on your favorite podcast app, or if you're watching on YouTube. And if you are on YouTube, leave a comment. If you have any follow-up questions about this kind of stuff, maybe Stephanie can jump on and sort of interact with our people there. Um, that would be really, really cool. As always, have an amazing rest of your day and we'll see you on another episode. Real soon.